Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Bet MGM welcomes you with a special offer on the NBA. Simply place a $10 money line wager on today's game. If either team hits a three pointer, you'll win $200 in free bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. Just use bonus code CHAMPION200 when you make your bet. Bet MGM is proud to be an authorized gaming partner of the NBA, and there's endless ways to make it rain with the king of sportsbooks. Download the app or go to betmgm.com and use bonus code CHAMPION200 to win $200 in free bets if a three-pointer is made in today's game. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. and Virginia only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. And here we go again. Yes, folks, we are back in the saddle. We are raring to go, especially after we missed our Sunday podcast. But I digress. So welcome to the Miller Frost Show. I am your host, Miller Frost, joined as always by my fake black friend, white boy Malcolm X. And I hope you folks are having a grand gay old time so far this week. I know you queens out there. You are definitely partying. We have a story on that later, and we'll get to that in due course, but it is definitely good to be back. Unfortunately, folks, I think I caught something. I'm not quite sure what it is. I hope and pray. Please, sweet baby Jesus, please, 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 please don't let me have the COVID. I hope I'm not doing a Lindsey Graham, (laughs) but I got, I don't know what I got, just a little head cold or something along those lines. No, it is not, Jesus Christmas, it is not alcohol withdrawal, white boy Malcolm X. From the man who can't do this podcast without an Italian beer, you are lecturing me on alcohol withdrawal. Pot, meat, kettle. See, folks, this is what I have to put up with to do these damn shows. This one with the unsolicited comments. Sir, when I ask your opinion, That's bad enough. The last thing I need is you going, yep, 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 throwing out stuff like that, especially, especially when we're just getting this thing underway. So let's go ahead and jump into the podcast. And as we've been doing lately, we are going to jump into our news headlines. And this first one is from the Wall Street Journal. This one, I don't know if this is going to excite you virgin pajama boys living in your parents' basement. I end up that sex doll in the corner, playing with yourselves, your Pokemon cars, your PlayStation, masturbating to Marvel films, freaking out your parents, freaking out the neighbors. You kids, I don't know if this is going to interest you, but how is this headline? 
Scarlett Johansson sues Disney over Black Widow streaming release. No offense to Scarlett Johansson and you virgin pajama boys living in your parents' basement. I hope this isn't too triggering, but I couldn't care less about Scarlett Johansson as a person. What she does in her private life, don't care. I do, though, I have to admit, I like I like the business side of Hollywood. The gossip rags, that side of things, Brad Pitt's doing this, Tom Cruise is doing that, Scarlett Johansson's here, Leonardo DiCaprio, he's over there, hanging out with some hookers, whatever. Allegedly, supposedly, possibly, maybe. Don't really care about all that, but I really enjoy the business side of the business. So Scarlett Johansson suing Disney, that's interesting to me. And what have I always said? Those Hollywood liberals, they're all fake. The only thing they care about are the Benjamins. We had that story recently with the transgender activists, and they were all butthurt because nobody is producing a film with a major transgender character in it. That hasn't been done in quite a few years. What I told them was two things. Number one, you want the movie so bad? Pay for it yourself. Number two, if you could show Hollywood a transgender movie, that would make them huge bank. They would produce that all day, every day. We would have, every week, I think, transgender movies with a slew of transgender actors if it made the producers huge bank. That's all they care about, the Benjamins. So Scarlett is arguing through her attorneys, suing Disney, woke Disney too. Let's not forget about that, folks. She is suing them because apparently part of her compensation, her salary, is on the back end. And you queens out there, settle down. That's not what you think. Her salary, or a large part of it, is based on the box office performance. She's arguing that when Disney released it in the theaters and released it on Disney+, Plus, which again, folks, there is a kind of unofficial boycott of Disney+, Plus here on the Mill of Russia, but I digress. She's saying that when people watched it on Disney+, Plus, that lowered the box office performance. Disney, woke Disney, let's not forget that, they are arguing that that chick has already pulled in at least $20 million and she's going to make more. I think the number she was thinking was around $60 million to play the Black Widow. I don't know about you folks, but Scarlett Johansson playing the Black Widow, that offends my woke sensibilities. You folks know out there, I am the most woke person that I know. So when you got a white chick yapping on, yap, 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 because she's only making $20 million playing the Black Widow, that just offends me. You got the Black Panther? That's played by a black guy. The Black Widow? Nope. No BIPOC folk there. Just a white chick. So I'm sure that you virgin pajama boys living in your parents' basement, eyeing up that sex doll, all that other weird stuff going on down there, I'm sure you're like, meh, where's Loki? Something juicy like that. But me, we'll see how this one falls out. See if Scarlet gets to make even more bank playing the Black Widow for the last time. $20 million plus, wipe by Malcolm X, and she is not happy. This is going to be an interesting one to see who comes out on top. But you kids over at Woke Disney and Scarlet, have fun fighting it out. From The Guardian, NBC paid 
get this folks, 7.75 billion for its Olympic rights. And we got televisual vomit. I really hate to admit that I'm, well, I guess I'm kind of sort of maybe agreeing with the guardian here. And we've talked a little bit about that on this podcast, how I used to like watching the Olympics, but those human interest stories, I just, I could not take them any longer. We talked about when Michael Phelps, back in 2008, when he was swimming and winning all those medals, they interviewed the guy who made his shoes, some sort of special Michael Phelps shoes. They went and talked to that guy about Michael Phelps swimming. I watched the Olympics for two reasons. Number one, the competitions. Number two, the eye candy. And don't you folks judge me. I know you're doing the exact same thing. I do not watch the Olympics to hear someone yapping on, yap, 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 about Michael Phelps's shoes. Nothing against Michael Phelps, but I don't want to hear about his feet. That is not my thing. And I guess after reading this article, The Guardian, not so much with those folks either. I haven't watched, folks, seriously. I have not watched the Olympics since 2008. So I guess this sort of crap has been continuing through. So here are a couple lines from the story, The Guardian story, about NBC ruining the Olympics. NBC has never met a night of swimming finals that didn't need to be spliced up with bizarre human interest segments on Caleb Dressel's first ride through the Florida wetlands on an airboat. Well, I'm sure the queens weren't complaining about that one, especially if that little hunk was shirtless. You will not hear any queen complaining about that. So they go from Michael Phelps' shoe guy in 2008 to Caleb Dressel on an airboat in the Florida wetlands. And here's one more from The Guardian. We all want to know who the athletes are, of course, if only at a superficial level. But when we switch on the Olympics, I think it's fair to say that most of us want to witness elite athletes perform spectacular feats with their bodies, not hear a series of driving stories about how they handle their daily commute. Oh, so they've gone from Michael Phelps's shoes his feet, to Caleb Dressel on an airboat, and people having to sit in traffic. Great job there, NBC. You guys, you're rocking it over there for the Olympics. From Boston.com, CDC study shows three-fourths of people infected in Provincetown COVID-19 outbreak were vaccinated, but few required hospitalization. So those feckless idiots over at the CDC that clown car run by Rochelle impending doom Walensky. Those morons did a study about those queens out in P-Town. And I found this one really interesting, strictly on the media coverage. We had, back in February of last year, we had in Boston a super spreader event right when COVID was kicking off. There was a meeting in downtown Boston at the Marriott Long Wharf I've actually stayed at that hotel. Not too bad. Just a random aside. But Biogen had a meeting there, and that was a super spreader event. And we know this because of all the media coverage. They tracked all those people at that event and where they went after the event, and they watched the spread of the disease, not only in the Boston area, but these people flew all over the world, and it spread from there. We know a huge amount about the Biogen meeting in Boston, Back last year. This thing, though, in Provincetown, they're even playing coy on the city. I saw one report, and it was just 
talking about an anonymous town in Barnstable County. They are doing anything and everything, not to mention the fact it's Provincetown, not to mention the fact that they have a grand gay old time times 10 out in P-Town, especially in the summer. I am not blaming the Queens. Don't get me wrong, folks. I am not blaming members of the tribe. You girls out there, settle down. I am not picking on you. It could happen to anyone. I just, the media coverage of this, they're just, they come off to me as terrified to mention the fact that it's Provincetown. Terrified that any reporting about Provincetown is going to make people think the Queens are spreading the COVID. They are bending over backwards to not say Provincetown, to not say P-Town. At least the national coverage that I've seen. They are not going to fool anyone (laughs) in the Boston area, in Massachusetts, anywhere in New England. Everyone knows. Everyone knows that P-Town is where you go and have a grand gay old time in New England. You New York Queens, you're out in Fire Island. But the Queens up here, they all go to Provincetown. But I guess that's what woke media coverage will get you these days. They are just not going to talk about anything that might get them called a nasty name. Any version of unwoke, they are not, they are not going to touch that with a 10-foot pole. So you girls out there, you queens partying it up in Provincetown, and you know who you are. Be careful out there with the COVID. And, and white boy Malcolm X, I do not even want to know what event caused that. Folks, they have all sorts of theme weeks and events during summer in Provincetown. Obviously, they have pride. They've got something called carnival out there or carnival, depending on how fancy you want to get. They've got the white party out there. And no, to all you woke folk out there, that is not just for white people. That is not some sort of white supremacy convention. It's some sort of circuit party event. Now, chances are it's a bunch of white party queens. You know how those white queens like to party. A lot. A ton. They love to party, and they couldn't do that too much last year, so they are going to have a doubly grand gay old time this year. But the white party, some sort of circuit party, they dance, they do drugs, they hook up. You queens know what I'm talking about. Just a big old rave. But they have events throughout the summer, throughout the year. They have a leather week out there. They have a bear week out there. And no, folks, we are not talking about bears in the zoo. We're talking about fat, hairy queens. <laughs> that is about, uh, well, the most succinct way I can describe that. Fat, hairy queens, that's a bear. It's a whole subculture. They are cubs. Think less hairy, less fat, younger bear. But those are the sorts of events going on out in Provincetown. So you queens out there, you be careful when you're having a grand gay old time out in Provincetown. This next one is from Breitbart. Pandemic over, Spielberg attending, Pearl Jam to play Barack Obama's Martha's Vineyard birthday bash as Delta variant rages. Apparently, Barack Hussein Obama, and I only say his full name because I know it triggers the woke folk. Whenever Whitey says his full name, they like to call that a dog whistle. I just call that taunting the woke folk. Got to have fun with those folks, even if they don't have a sense of humor. But Barack is turning 60, and he is throwing a huge party 
out on Martha's Vineyard. I, of course, am thinking, why the hell would he throw it out there? Everyone knows how racist those people are out on Martha's Vineyard. His poor wife, Michelle, she goes to get ice cream in Martha's Vineyard. She's there with the kids, the Secret Service, some snooty white chick, probably a liberal. That island is infested with liberals. This snooty white chick, though, cuts her off in line at the ice cream stand. Michelle, the most put-upon BIPOC chick out there, she was so butthurt about that, she went on, I think it was Oprah, but don't quote me on that, she went on television and was like, yep, 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 crying her tears of oppression about how some white chick cut her off to get ice cream on Martha's Vineyard. She is a top-tier member of the ruling class. How dare this stupid white chick cut her off in line for the ice cream? But anyway, they are throwing a party for 475 guests. White boy Malcolm X, you're fake black. I figured you might get an invite. Did you get one, sir? Are we going? No. Okay. Oh, well, too bad for us. I guess we are not down for the struggle enough to get that ticket. 475 guests, 200 staff to cater to those 475 guests. And poor Barack, speaking of oppressed, this poor guy, he's turning 60 years old. He has to throw his own birthday party. Who has to throw their own 60th birthday party? But someone who is really, really, really oppressed. His wife, she's still butthurt about the ice cream incident. She's feeling extra oppressed as well. She can't do it for him, obviously. So he's got to do it himself. He's like, I guess I'll do it myself. No one else is going to throw it for me. I guess I'll do it. Might as well. And the party, for those of you who are interested, this is going to be held at the Obama's 30-acre, $12 million oceanfront home. And now I feel bad for making fun of Patrice Kahn Coolers and her wife. I mock them quite a bit, too, for having $4 million around that in houses. Granted, three of them are in Los Angeles. Unless you're trying to avoid traffic and having a house strategically placed so you can pull over, boom, you got a house, no traffic. Unless you're doing that, having three houses in LA makes zero sense. But I'm mocking her and her wife for coming to do good and doing very, very well indeed. But they got nothing on Barack and Michelle. I have no doubt that they have more houses than this. This one house, $12 million, 30 acres, Martha's Vineyard. Guy's been in government or community activism his entire life. I guess it pays really, really, really well to sell woke and race these days. I hope Patrice Con Coolers, Ibram X. Kendi, all the other good woke folk out there, I hope they are not too butthurt about the Obama real estate portfolio. I know there's probably some weird little competition over who can have the most real estate in the woke community. Obama, he's got them beat, hands down, just with this one house. But he's got Pearl Jam coming over there, Oprah, of course. Those two, Michelle and Barack, they don't do anything without inviting Oprah over. Steven Spielberg, George Clooney, those are the only names I could see in the news article. I don't even know that George Clooney even acts anymore. He just shows up. He shows up to all these stupid birthday parties, award shows, goes out to eat with his wife. 
He's basically just walking around getting his picture taken by the paparazzi. That's pretty much what George Clooney has been reduced to these days. This may, folks, I don't know, but I suspect this may get me in some trouble asking this question. So White Boy Malcolm X, since you are fake black, sir, you let me know if I have crossed the line. So here's my question. What capital B black person, real black person, that's Barack, right? What capital B black person, down for the struggle, that kind of capital B black person, what kind of capital B black person throws themselves a birthday party and goes, man, I want Pearl Jam to play the music. I'm sure Dr. Dre's going, Pearl Jam? What the beep? Did Barack turn white all of a sudden? And Dr. Dre, if you're out there listening to this podcast, and you ask that question hypothetically, I am wondering the exact same thing. So white boy Malcolm X, since you're fake black, is that crossing a line questioning Barack's capital B black credentials? Because, because he invited, he chose Pearl Jam as the musical guest at his 60th birthday party. Crossing the line, sir. At least it wasn't Nickelback. <laughs> Man, white boy Malcolm X, that was harsh. <laughs> Those poor guys at Nickelback. They do not need the mockery, sir. And can you imagine being a leftist BIPOC folk out there? Probably someone who idolized Obama back in the day. You know who I'm talking about, folks. Those good liberals who masturbated every single time Barack went out and went, we are the ones we've been waiting for. Serving up that kind of pablum, hope and change, change and hope, what have you. Those good liberals who worshiped the ground that man walked on. These poor folks, these poor leftist BIPOC folks, after eight years, they finally realize that Obama was nothing more than an empty suit, nothing more than an empty vessel for all your hopes and dreams and fantasies for him to spit that back out at you and you go, oh, I love Barack. He's our savior. Those folks who bought into all that crap, hope and change, change and hope, they finally realized that other than Barack and Michelle making huge bank, making a fortune so that they can afford 30 acres and a $12 million estate on Martha's Vineyard, other than how filthy rich the Obamas got, that was pretty much all the change after eight years. And I kind of feel bad for those folks. I'm sure some of them are like, wow, I was just a useful idiot, so that tool and his wife could get really, really, really rich and hang out with all their white friends. But just a little, not too much. Who couldn't see that one coming after Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton and all the other good woke race hustlers out there getting really, really, really rich selling that woke crap, which, of course, continues to this day. So you kids have fun partying it up out there, partying with Barack and Michelle and Oprah and Steven Spielberg and George Clooney. And God help us if we have to see video of this. But you kids dancing it out jamming it out to Pearl Jam. Have fun with that. From CNBC, Trump tax returns must be released by IRS to Congress, Justice Department says. 
I really only have one thing to say about this, and it's to you Democrats in Congress. Next year, when the Republicans sweep Congress, take the House, take the Senate, they're sitting there in power and they say, man, I would love to see Joe Biden's tax returns. I would really love to see Hunter Biden's tax returns. I want to see all the tax returns of Biden, Inc. I want to know exactly how rich they got whoring Hunter out to all these oligarchs and despots around the world. How much money have they been pulling in? You Democrats, I don't want to hear you complaining. Yep, 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 yep. No complaining when the shoe was on the other foot. And I can see them, folks. I can see them going, this is outrageous. This is nothing more than a partisan witch hunt. This is an abuse of power. This is absolutely unprecedented in modern times. How dare the Republicans ask for President Biden's tax returns? This is absurd. And they're going to carry on like hysterical teenage girls when you shut the credit card off. They're going to bitch, moan, and complain about how horrible that is to pick on poor, creepy Uncle Joe the hair sniffer and his dopey, whored-out son. And if having to watch that ragtag Star Wars bar of Democrats getting up there and complaining about the Republicans, that the Republicans are doing to Joe Biden exactly what they're doing to Donald Trump today, as absurd as that's going to be, hearing them yapping on, yap, 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 hear them carrying on like the hypocritical frauds that they are, what's even going to be worse, folks, is those hysterical drama queens over at CNN and MSNBC, them trying to gaslight us as well. And I can see over at CNN, you've got Jake Tapper, you've got that guy, I can never remember his name, he kind of looks like George Costanza, kind of looks He kind of reminds me of a guy who wears a trench coat and hangs out by elementary schools with his hands in his pockets. Just my opinion, that's what he looks like. Some kind of creepy pervert. And then, of course, folks, you have the queen of queens over at CNN. Anderson Cooper. Miss Cooper. And not to downplay all the other hysterical drama queens over at CNN and MSNBC, but I can see Miss Cooper yapping on. Yap, 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 yap. Yapping on about the Republicans, totally trying to gaslight us like this year, Trump's tax returns never happened. That queen, that queen over there at CNN, he is going to carry on just like the Democrats. Oh, that is so outrageous of the Republicans. How, how dare they attack that poor Joe Biden? He is so wonderful. This is nothing more than a partisan witch hunt. This is so horrible. This is an abuse of power. This is Nixonian in its evil. This sort of demanding the tax returns of a president, this is unprecedented in modern times. But Ms. Cooper, the Democrats did it to Trump last year. Oh, you're so full of hate speech. This is unprecedented. I can totally see them trying to gaslight us, folks. This has never happened before. The Republicans, they're big old meanies. People are dying of the COVID. And what are the Republicans worried about? Creepy Uncle Joe the hair sniffer and his whored out son. So you Democrats, I don't want to hear you bitching next year. You idiots, you hysterical drama queens over at CNN and MSNBC, you are not going to fool us on the Miller Frost Show when you girls have an hysterical hissy fit when the Republicans start digging in to Biden, Inc. Gosh, I don't even know if I want to do this story. From Business Insider, Bill Gates warned Coachella about the threat of a pandemic years ago. So the Seattle Lothario is back in the news. Oh, 
By the way, quick aside, folks. His divorce with Melinda, according to a news headline I saw, that is final. So Melinda, I'm sure, is finally enjoying a real man for once. She is probably banging. Not that we are judging that here on the Miller Frost Show, but she is probably banging some hot stud that is the complete antithesis of Bill Gates. She's probably like, oh, wow, this is what it's like to have a real man, not some computer soy boy. This is what I've been missing? Melinda, you have fun having fun with a real man. White Boy Malcolm X, your thoughts, sir, is Bill Gates, the Seattle Lothario, is he is he some sort of prophet? Maybe, hold on, sir, maybe a prophet wearing a Speedo, gyrating around a bunch of hookers. Oops, I'm sorry, folks, sex workers. I know how triggered the sex worker community is when you call them hookers or prostitutes. My bad, sorry about that. Let's try that again. White Boy Malcolm X, do you think that Bill Gates is a prophet, a Speedo-wearing, sex worker-loving prophet? Or, hold on a second, sir, hold on again. Or is he just benefiting from the fact that even a broken clock is right twice a day? I mean, let's face it. That was not a hard one to call by any stretch of the imagination. Global pandemic, kind of like a flood or an earthquake or some other natural disaster. It's probably going to happen at some point. It's a pretty easy bet. Your thoughts, sir. So you're going with, and sir, you are clearly not listening. You do not call them prostitutes. You call them sex workers. But you're going, if I have this correct, you're going with sex worker obsessed, speedo wearing, lothario, not a prophet. Not your words exactly, but that's basically your sentiment. Okay, just, I just wanted to make sure. For some reason, folks, I cannot tell you why. Bill Gates opens his mouth, yapping on, yap, 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 yap. Just like a lot of folks carrying on on this podcast, including me, of course. But this guy opens his mouth and people are like, oh, he's so prescient. Oh, he's so smart. No, he is a speedo wearing sex worker addicted, allegedly, supposedly, possibly, maybe. He's just some weird computer nerd with sex issues. Allegedly, supposedly, possibly, maybe. And of course, folks, my inner cynic, it is screaming at me that this, and and I'm sure he's thanking Business Insider, thank you so much for throwing me this bone, but I'm sure this is all about repairing his legacy. Bill is so prescient. Bill cares about the environment. Bill cares about people. Look at all his charitable works. Please ignore the fact that he likes to wear a Speedo and gyrate around sex workers. Please forget about that completely. He's such a great humanitarian. I don't know, folks, if this will work, but Bill, you got to, in my opinion anyway, you got to try a little harder if you want to be called St. Bill when you pass. This is from the College Fix. Columbia Medical School will teach students how to disrupt racism and confront microaggressions. Disrupting racism and confronting microaggressions, White Boy Malcolm X. That is what they are teaching at Columbia Medical School. I guess at some point, folks, 
they'll get around to teaching medicine. Theoretically, possibly, maybe. Who knows? Who cares? Woke indoctrination. That comes first, obviously. But that is what they are teaching. And here's a little blurb from Columbia Medical School. The students learn about existing systems of privilege and oppression, share experiences of being confronted with racism, practice microaggression response strategies to disrupt racism, and learn resilient strategies to cope with racialized trauma. So that's what they're doing, folks, over at Columbia Medical School. Those four things, teaching them about existing systems of privilege and oppression, sharing their experiences of being confronted with racism, practicing microaggression response strategies to disrupt racism, and learning resilient strategies to cope with racialized trauma. So let's go ahead and break that down. Because let's face it, folks, not everyone is going to get into Columbia Medical School. That is a fact, but I know some of you BIPOC folk out there, and you fake white liberals, I'm sure you want to learn this stuff too. So as a public service here on the Miller Frost Show, I am going to do a quick walkthrough to help you folks learn this stuff too. So first off, the students learn about existing systems of privilege and oppression. That is really easy, folks. You do not need to go to Columbia Medical School to learn that. Here it is, three words. Everything is racist. Let's repeat that just in case some of you slow learners are still trying to write that down. Everything is racist. Whitey is racist. School is racist. Math is racist. And we've actually had a story or two about woke mathematics. Here's an example of woke mathematics. 2 plus 2 equals 5. If you disagree, you're racist. That is woke mathematics. 2 plus 2 equals, pick a number. Who cares? Anyone disagrees, call them a racist. Of course, folks, of course English is racist. The expectation that someone speaks well, uses proper grammar, that is racist. That is absolutely racist. Church is racist. Jesus as whitey, that is racist as well. Everyone knows that Jesus, he was not white. All these churches with white Jesus up on the cross, they're racist. But again, folks, everything is racist. So just, I don't care what the topic is, it's racist. That is how you learn about existing systems of privilege and oppression. Everything is racist. Sharing experiences of being confronted with racism. That is what you call a BIPOC safe space. A BIPOC safe space, for you out there who are not woke, that is where the BIPOC folk get together and trash whitey. You might have a BIPOC safe space, and there is Michelle Obama, the most, folks, the most oppressed black woman. She would sit around in this BIPOC safe space and complain, yet again, about that stupid white woman who cut her off in line at the ice cream stand. I'm sure Oprah would be there too. She would be complaining about how she's not quite the billionaire she wanted to be. However many billions she has, that's not enough, and she can blame that on Whitey. Patrice Conn Coolers, she can be there as well. She can complain about Whitey picking on her for having so many houses. She only has four houses, folks, so she can help disrupt white supremacy, and Whitey's picking on her about all that real estate. That is what it means to share experiences about being confronted with racism. If you want to practice 
microaggression response strategies to disrupt racism, that's pretty easy as well. What is a microaggression? The fun part about a microaggression, folks, is that it can be whatever the hell you want it to be. Someone says, good morning. That's a microaggression. Only Whitey would think it's a good morning with so much oppression out there in the world. When Whitey tells BIPOC good morning, they are practicing a microaggression. If Whitey says nothing, that is also a microaggression. Whitey doesn't say anything, not because you ripped his head off yesterday, because when he said good morning, you called him a racist. No, he is not being quiet because of that. He is being quiet just because he's a racist. He don't want to talk to BIPOC folk. That is another microaggression. Saying good morning, not saying good morning, same thing, microaggression. So to practice microaggression response strategies to disrupt racism, if you're BIPOC out there and some white person comes up to you and says, oh, lovely BIPOC person, good morning. You want a response strategy to that? You want to disrupt racism? You look at Whitey and say, of course you'd say that, you racist cracker. Whitey sucks in your face, and just walk away. That is a perfectly appropriate microaggression response strategy to disrupt racism. If you want another one, Whitey doesn't say anything. Whitey walks by, go, oh, hi, Whitey. How are you, you racist cracker? Thank you for wishing me a good morning, you pig. That's another way to practice your microaggression response strategy to disrupt racism. No matter what Whitey does, no matter what Whitey says, Throw it in their face. And if you want to learn, finally, folks, we're getting to the last one. If you want to learn resilient strategies to cope with racialized trauma, this one, I have to say, was a little more challenging to come up with. But, folks, it's me, Miller Frost. Of course, I came up with something. So you leftist BIPOC folk out there, if you want to learn a resilient strategy to cope with racialized trauma, I would recommend, this is just me, folks. I could be wrong, but I want to throw this out there. I would think that looting, rioting, burning, having a grand gay old time in the inner city, I think that would be a fantastic resilience strategy that you could learn to cope with racialized trauma. If that's not enough for you, maybe go spit on a police officer or two. Doesn't matter the color. They're all blue. They're all pigs. They're all racist. Just go over and hock a big loogie on them. That's another really good resilience strategy to cope with racialized trauma. You want the icing on the cake? You really want to learn another, a third resilience strategy to cope with racialized trauma? I would recommend, just a thought, just an idea, I would recommend banging a couple of those hysterical white chicks that come into town to loot, riot, burn, and have a grand gay old time in the inner city, I would go bang a couple of them. They're probably looking for it too because they know it's going to piss off mom and dad back in the suburbs if they go down and bang a couple of black guys. That is really going to trigger mom and dad back in the suburbs. So it's kind of a twofer. You learn to practice microaggression response strategies to disrupt racism. She gets to piss off mom and dad, and you both get laid. It's a win-win. And I know you liberal BIPOC folk out there. I know it might be triggering to you if Whitey gets a small win on this. But I would just say, let it slide so the BIPOC folk, they can learn their resilient strategies 
to cope with racialized trauma. So there you go, folks. Those of you who really, really, really wanted to get into Columbia Medical School, really, really, really wanted to learn about how to disrupt racism and how to confront microaggressions and all that other garbage, but couldn't get into Columbia Medical School. There you go. And it didn't cost you six figures to learn. So you folks over at Columbia Medical School, teaching students all this good woke stuff, not teaching them, not teaching them a damn thing about medicine. You kids have fun with all that. And for our last news headline, and yes, White Boy Malcolm X, it's a Wednesday podcast. I wanted short-ish, so no smoking gun. Even if we missed one on Sunday's podcast, this is it. Sorry, sir. We'll try again next Sunday. Besides which, my voice, it's about to go. So let's just get this over with before I'm just, I'm whispering for this podcast. This last story is from those girls over at Pink News. Straight figure skater offers sincere apology after saying it's a homosexual dominated sport. And the straight figure skater. Now, that is not an oxymoron, folks. I don't know what is. But allegedly, supposedly, possibly, maybe there is at least one heterosexual figure skater out there in the world. That guy is Nathan Chen. And poor Nathan really, really, really put his foot in it by stating the obvious. And I guess somebody in the tribe, our lovable Star Wars Barber tribe, got slightly butthurt about him calling figure skating a homosexual-dominated sport. I'm sorry, and I know I'm going to get in just a little bit of trouble for saying this, but why is this kid, Nathan Chen, why is he getting in trouble? Why is he having to apologize for stating the obvious? Maybe I am still America's most beloved self-loathing homosexual, but I have to say, folks, when I see a male figure skater, first thing that pops in my head is, that's a queen. I probably would have looked at, man, my voice is really going. I probably would have looked at Nathan Chan and thought, that guy is a big old queen. I guess I would have been wrong, but for the most part, I think it's a safe bet that figure skating probably has a huge number of queens floating about. I don't think he meant it as a pejorative. I think he was just stating a fact. Damn, figure skating, full of queens. Probably most of them. It's like working retail. I worked retail, got at this point, decades ago. But guess what, folks? I hate to break it to you, but I was surrounded by queens. Trust me, I was not standing around the store going, man, I can't believe I'm the only gay guy working retail. I might have worked with two or three heterosexual men in retail back in the day. The vast majority of them were members of the tribe. Queens love to work retail. I'm sure the clothing discount doesn't hurt, but a lot of them, I'm sure they dream of being fashion designers or window decorator queens or something creative in fashion. Maybe work for Anto Wintour at Vogue, something like that. A queen has to dream and they got to start somewhere. And retail is a good stepping stone into some other fashion career. 
I am certainly not going to apologize for stating that retail is a homosexual-dominated occupation. That and women, of course, depending on the store. But queens everywhere. So I don't know why Nathan has to apologize for something silly like saying, figure skating, man, you cannot swing a dead cat without hitting a queen on this ice. Nathan, take it from me, a card-carrying member of the tribe. You do not need to apologize for stating the obvious. I know that a couple queens out there are going to get a little butthurt. Oh, I can't believe it. He would say that figure skating is a homosexual-dominated sport. Can you believe that? Oh, no, I can't believe he would ever say that. That is so horrible. Oh, by the way, girlfriend, those tassels on your uniform, fabulous. But, but Nathan, don't you worry about them. Unless they're kind of bitchy like Tanya Harding. Then, yeah, maybe the apology. <laughs> maybe that was the smart move. The last thing you need is some pissed off queen with a metal pipe aiming for your knee. So on second thought, Nathan, sorry to confuse you there, sir. On second thought, maybe an apology or two isn't such a bad idea. Proactively gets you out of a little bit of trouble. Proactively saves your knees. Proactively calms the queens down. If you've got some sort of Tanya Harding skater queen floating about. You want to make sure to avoid triggering that queen to go after you. And, and White Boy Malcolm X, it'd probably be some low-rank queen like Chastin Buttigieg, that low-rank queen from Indiana. That's the Tanya Harding type, getting her Jeff Galuli to go after this poor kid's kneecaps. <laughs> okay there, Nathan. Watch yourself out there. If the queens are bitchy in retail, I can only imagine how bitchy they are in the world of figure skating. So on that note, since I cannot top a bunch of silly queens getting butthurt because some poor straight figure skater said that figure skating is a homosexual-dominated sport, since I cannot top that, it is time to plug-pull this podcast. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us on this midweek podcast of The Miller Frost Show. I am your host, Miller Frost, joined as always by my fake black friend, white boy Malcolm X. Have a great rest of your week, a great start to your weekend, and we hope to see you back here in a couple of days. In the meantime, take care. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 